podcasting is this amazing platform that that technically really costs us next to nothing to jump into the game. So you can lose next to nothing if you decide that, you know what, that wasn't the right idea. I'm going back to the drawing board. But you know what, when you go back to the drawing board, it's going to be so much easier than it was the first time because obviously you've got already these lessons learned. Welcome to Podcasting Smarter, the podcast for and by podcasters. We interview podcasters for the real scoop on podcasting. Whether you're thinking about starting a podcast or have been podcasting for years, you'll find lots of inspiration, valuable lessons, and tips in our interviews. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Please visit podbean.com, the home for podcasters. Hello, Pod Pals, and welcome back to Podcasting Smarter. Today, I get to chat with Kim Drobes, who is the co-host and executive producer of the Rochambeau podcast, which features unique competitions and extraordinary competitors. This is guaranteed to be one winning episode. Thanks for joining me today, Kim. Very happy to be here, Jennifer. <laughs> I'm thrilled to have you on. I have been listening to your podcast and it's a load of fun and we're definitely going to talk about it. But I want to start with something I call podcast confessions. And so if you can imagine um, a confessional and um, <clears throat> coming in, it's just me and you. And I, I want you to to share something that has gone awry in your podcasting career that you're very ashamed of and need forgiveness for. <laughs> do you do you have something to confess to me, Kim? I, I I do, and I feel like I'm confessing it to myself as well. And I'm gonna I'm gonna grow from this. It's gonna be good. Okay. So this is actually technically the third podcast that I've launched, but only because one of them I did twice, and. I so regret doing it the second time. It was one of those situations where you just don't listen to your gut. And so I confess I'm I'm not as new as I may seem. I've been doing this for a while. Thank you, Kim, for confessing your podcasting, um, you know, sin, I guess, if that's what we want to call it. That might be a little strong. So you... Let me get this straight. You started a podcast and it, it had a run and you stopped it at some point and then restarted it? I did. I did. And um, it's really got a lot to do with what got me to doing this one, which is so on my own and with my really good friend and we love it. But what I had done previously was through my day job, I tried to do a little offspring podcast and I launched it. And it went pretty well, but it was getting no support on the back end from the radio station. And they were very apologetic, but they were like, we just don't know what to do with podcasts yet. We're so sorry. And then they talked me into doing it again six months later. And I said, sure, okay. <laughs> and then all the same stuff happened. So it was quite the learning experience. Well, that's good. You know, if we can't learn from these things, then they really are useless. But I think that's the whole point of podcast confessions for me is that we all have something that we sort of regret in this podcasting journey, but we do ultimately learn from it. And I think by sharing those things, we all kind of know we're in we're in this crazy thing together, right? <laughs> no doubt. 
All right. Well, that's a perfect prelude to what I want to ask next. And that is how and why did you start the Rochambeau podcast? Well, um, I was rapping on another podcast that I was not enjoying and was not um, getting heard the way that I wanted it to. And within two months of stopping it, I really wanted to do something else. I immediately got itchy and had this creative gap in my life that I wanted to fill. And one of the last pieces of audio that I had recorded for that previous podcast, it was called The Empowerment Zone, and it was about inspiring stories. And I had interviewed my friend Ted, who is now my co-host, because he was going to the World Stone Skimming Championship in Scotland, which I never knew he was a stone skimmer. I thought it was so cool. He was ready just to hop on a plane from Atlanta, Georgia go to Scotland and compete on this world stage. And I thought, wow, that would make a really good Empowerment Zone episode. And so I interviewed him. And then I quit the podcast. So I had this audio from Ted that I was sitting on. And I went on a beach trip and I was pondering, what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? And I kept thinking about Ted's audio and how I didn't want to waste it. And then I just started thinking about, well, maybe there's more competitions like this. And oh my God, the internet, everything is out there, everything. And so I found out about the World Gurning Championship and the National Gingerbread Championship and a thing called wife carrying and a thing called coffin racing. And all of a sudden I realized there was so much content out there for a podcast about really unusual competitions. Yeah, I loved, I listened to the the gurning episode because I was so curious about what it was. And I thought, oh, this is, I mean, the nice thing about these weird competitions is that uh, an unathletic soul like myself actually thinks, hey, maybe this is something I could do. So I thought the gurning competition was right up my alley. I mean, I love, I love pulling really weird faces in the mirror. It's like something I've always loved to do. Um, I like to make myself as like ugly as possible. So then when I, my real face pops in, I'm less disappointed with it. And, um, (laughs) but I looked at some of the pictures of the, of the winners and I thought, oh my gosh, I mean, they are so incredibly like off the wall. (laughs) It's amazing. (laughs) So, um. Yeah, so that's a really fun premise for a podcast, I have to say. I, I am really enjoying it. So you have been at this current podcast for about 10 episodes, is that right? That's right. We um, decided to do it uh, via seasons. And so episode 10 was officially the end of season one. And we are launching season two in about six weeks. Now, why did you decide to do seasons? I have no idea anymore, honestly. <laughs> There is so much work that goes into this specific podcast because it is weaving together multiple interviews along with a co-host and a little bit of scripting there. So it's, it's really time consuming. And one of the things that I wanted to promise myself with starting a new podcast was that I was going to get like the bulk of the content done before I even launched. And that way, after I launched, I can just spend, you know, the, good amount of time promoting and really using that part of my brain. Because I do believe for a DIY podcaster, at least for me, those are two really different parts of my brain, like the part that can create a podcast and the part that can market a podcast. 
And frankly, I don't really like the marketing part, but it's necessary. So I had just wanted to get a bunch of it done ahead of time. Yeah, I hear that a lot from other podcasters. The marketing is a bit of a mystery, but also it's not enjoyable a lot of times for podcasters to market. And I think everyone just hopes that the discovery will just happen. But the truth is we do have to put a lot of sweat and tears behind our marketing efforts um, to have any hope of being discovered for the DIY, you know, independent podcaster. That's definitely the case. But I noticed when I was, yeah, I, I noticed when I was listening to your show, I, the effort that you put into it, the, the, the editing and the, the interviewing, and it was very, it's very professionally produced, but I also, um, assumed that that had something to do with your radio career. It, I, I was just curious if the skills from your, um, radio career carried over to your podcast or, or which ones do you feel carried over the best? Oh, gosh, absolutely. So for 20 years, I've been producing a radio show for a nationally syndicated consumer advice guy named Clark Howard. And I absolutely love it. And within the course of that, I've learned how to use Adobe Audition really, really well. So starting my own podcast and the one that I originally started for Clark, The Empowerment Zone, I immediately wanted to make it like the podcasts that I like to listen to, which are more heavily produced. A lot of stuff from Radiotopia is my absolute favorite. I love Love and Radio, Criminal, shows like that that really do weave in a lot of editing, a lot of storytelling, a lot of um, audio rich you know, qualities to it. So knowing Adobe Audition inside and out has been obviously incredibly invaluable to starting my own podcast. And then the second thing would be one of my main duties on Clark's show is as the call screener, the first person who reaches out to any guest that's on the show. So for 20 years, I've been talking to strangers, like 12 of them at least a day. And I absolutely love talking to strangers. And I've gotten really comfortable with starting a conversation without looking at someone over the radio, over the phone. And it's just made the interviewing part much, much easier than if I had not had that experience. Yeah, that is, and it's an incredible background to bring to podcasting. And most podcasters aren't fortunate to have all of those skills. So we're sort of learning on the go. So I think you definitely come to the table with some distinct advantages. So you had those advantages. Uh, your podcast is still relatively new, as we mentioned. I was wondering if you had a launch strategy leading up to putting your your first episode out there. I, I did. Um, I don't know how good it was, <laughs> but I, I absolutely <laughs> did. After having gone through this before with the Empowerment Zone twice, I confess, Um you know, you learn certain things along the way. And one of the most important things that I learned, at least for myself, was I need to have as much content done ahead of time before I get into it. Another thing I realized right when I started working on the first episode, which was actually the one that you were talking about, the gurning, which I think we published as our fourth episode, it was the first one that I ever interviewed people for and kind of developed the model for. And, um, when I was doing that episode, 
it it was really to do a solo show about this. And the more I started thinking about it, I was like, I don't, I don't want to do this alone again. I want a co-host. I want a buddy. I want someone to guarantee that this is going to be fun every time I turn on a mic. And of course, Ted, because of the stone skimming, was the first person who came to mind. And I just sent him a completely rando text. And I was like, hey, you know that audio I've been sitting on of yours? You want to do a podcast with me? So before we launched, got Ted, started doing stuff together, got a lot of content. We got our website created. That's um, a lot of the background that Ted brings to the table is he is a web developer. So he was able to create a beautiful website that for us. We obviously got all of our distribution done ahead of time, made sure we were submitted and working on Apple and Google and iHeart and, you know, everywhere. We um, worked out our mistakes, which was the first big mistake we made was we put the website on Squarespace because they do beautiful websites and Ted knew the platform well. So we were like, well, we'll just host our podcast with them too. And, you know, within a minute of trying to submit to Apple and, and set stuff up, we realized, oh my gosh, this isn't what Squarespace is good at. They, they don't know this as well, or at least didn't a year ago, um, as they do how to make really easy to use platforms for websites. So we moved over to Podbean like minutes before we launched, like two weeks before we launched. We're like, oh my gosh, we're, we're with the wrong hosting company. So we got. We're so glad you moved over to us. <laughs> and if I could just brag on you guys for a second, your tech support team, they're made of magic. I don't understand when they sleep because I see the same names. Like whenever, whatever time of day I log in, there's like four different people. I recognize their names and they're always available and they're always kind. And they baby step me when I know they've heard the same questions 40 ready that day. <laughs> they're just, absolutely amazing. So, you know, we figured out our kinks hosting and stuff like that. And then we did a soft launch. And we once it was live, we didn't promote it. We didn't, you know, share the website or anything. We just told friends and family and we said, listen, tell us what's going wrong. And then once everything was right, we launched. That is cool. Well, I a couple of things. One, I'm so glad you said that about our tech team. Um, I mean, they're great, but about them not sleeping because I've been also curious about that. I'm convinced they're they have vampire <laughs> blood because they really they really don't sleep. And um, I know we're not being cruel to them or anything like that, but um, but yeah, but somehow we have a very cohesive tech team that's uh, and support team that have been with Podbean forever. And so if if you're a Podbean customer and have to talk to them for any reason, you'll get to know them too, but they, they really are um, good at what they do. So thank you for giving them that recognition because they really are sort of unsung heroes. Um, you know, they don't get out to in front of, of Podbean very much. So, so that's cool. And the other thing is I wanted to compliment you on your website. So this is probably a good, a good time to give Ted some kudos because you're, your website is one of the best podcast websites I've seen. You know, I've seen a lot of bad ones, but yours, I was so impressed with it. So um, does Ted work for himself? Does he need a plug for his business? He certainly so earned sweet. it. No, he doesn't. He works, um, actually, the, the 
excuse me, the backbone of his day job is the same backbone as mine. Technically, we both work for um, the Cox Enterprises family. He works um, for Mannheim. He used to work for Auto Trader. So he just, you know, helps a very big corporation with their digital life as far as a car auction site goes. And the radio show that I work for is with um, Cox Media Group. So strangely enough, we both do work for the same corporate overlord. Although I would probably <laughs> do really well running his own business one day. But I think this is his fun side gig. And he likes, you know, who doesn't like some stability? Well, Ted couldn't join us today, but uh, Ted, kudos to you. You did great with the the website and you definitely make a very wonderful co-host. You guys have great a great balance and a great chemistry. It's it's fun to hear both of you on the podcast. So do you have, I know you're only 10 episodes in, but do you have a favorite one I yet? I do and I shouldn't, but I so do. Um, I have to start out by saying only because it's 100% true, my favorite part of creating the podcast is talking to everyone and interviewing all of the competitors and the organizers, because to get to talk to people when they're t telling you about the one thing in their life that is cooler to them than anything else they do, it's, it's joyful and it comes across and it makes me smile and laugh and I love it. So I loved talking to everyone, but I have to say my favorite story came from Frozen Dead Guy Day's Coffin Race, which I think was episode five. And it's not because the competition itself is really any more amazing than any of the other ones. It might even be a little less amazing, but the background of how the competition started and the background of the town that it takes place in is just a phenomenal story phenomenal story. Like I would do a whole documentary on them if I could. Oh, well, well I will make sure to link that particular episode in the show notes. Um, so people can check it out. It's funny that you said about the story there be, because there are stories involved in all of the competitions. And, and I'm glad that you always include the origin story because it just adds that extra level of richness to these fun, crazy competitions. <laughs> so um, I, I don't know that that format of your podcast. I, I just feel works works really well for me personally. It just makes it really, really enjoyable yeah. to listen to. So now that you have been covering these contests and competitions, I'm just wondering if you and Ted have ever considered running your own strange contest, and if so, what Gosh. would it be? Um, well, first off right off the bat we did host a competition so we are very social people both Ted and I and um, there is a bar in our hometown of Atlanta called the trophy bar which feels like it was just made for Rochambeau podcast being that it's called the trophy bar and so approached them Perfect. and they let us host a rock paper scissors tournament as our podcast launch party because we figured we should throw a party because we were finally launching. And that was so much fun, but also so chaotic that it made me realize I don't I don't want to work in the event industry. I don't want to put together competitions. I want to talk to the people who already know what they're doing. I uh 
I felt like I was losing my mind a little bit. It was just a little too much for me to keep up with because I think I like to socialize and talk and have fun too much. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I'm not keeping score well anymore. I'm not good at running a competition <laughs> at all. Well, that well, that's an interesting concept though that you bring up in terms of a launch party because I have not heard of a lot of podcasters actually hosting a launch party. Now, I know the premise of your podcast definitely had um, a little spin to it that really lent itself well to hosting a competition, but actually like the, this idea of, of a live event uh, being tied to the launch of your podcast. How did, how did you get people to come and show up and well, get excited um, about it? Well, some of it, you know, one of the main reasons we wanted to do anything was just to try to give back to our friends and family that had been so supportive of us getting this thing off the ground and, you know, us spending more time with each other than we were with our loved ones and just to have something fun to all do. So the people who showed up, most were friends and family. We also um, hung flyers up at the bar and we, you know, put it around on social media. So I think there was probably maybe 15 people there that we didn't already know, but it was mostly a party for friends. That's impressive. 15, 15 strangers coming out. Uh, it's so hard to get people to leave their house these days. So I think that's that's really impressive. And I love that idea. And I hope some new podcaster out there is taking notes and planning their own podcast launch party. Because I think that just, it's exciting for any new listener, but it's also exciting for the podcaster. And, and it is a lot of work and effort. And you should celebrate it. Why not? I love that idea. You know what? As soon as you do All right. celebrate it, you have to get back to work. <laughs> so why not just stay and have some fun? That's right. Why not? It should, I mean, it is a lot of work, but it should be balanced with fun. I mean, we do this because we're creators and we get some personal fulfillment from it, even if we have other other goals attached to it. So I agree. I think that's I think that's great advice. So I was curious because you you have this this website. I, I see that you you've done the thing and you you're on all the social media channels, um, but we're all always struggling, as we mentioned earlier, to to have success when promoting our podcast. So, in terms of social media, have you found a a platform or a strategy that works well for you? We're still trying absolutely everything. Um, so we did, you know, when we came into this, um, we decided to come into it together as a business and we both invested a thousand dollars to get the podcast off the ground to use, you know, for equipment, for advertising, for promotion, for, we made buttons to give away just for little things like that for, you know, paying for hosting services just to make sure that we both had some skin in the game and that it wasn't something that we had to talk about anymore. The money thing was done. There's this pot of money, you know, use it for the best ability of the podcast. So what we've used it for so far, the biggest chunk of it, we made one really nice promotional video for Facebook and did paid advertising there. And the ad will run, I think, through the end of October. Um, and it's been doing really well to get us people that probably would have never found us before. And hopefully some people who might be new to the podcast world in general. Okay. So you did Facebook advertising. So I'm just, can I ask you a few like detailed questions about that? 
Um, so what was your ad spend on that long running ad? Yep. So put out uh, $700. Um, okay. It's been running since the end of July. It'll run till I think mid-October and it's highly targeted, highly targeted towards a whole bunch of things. But, you know, Facebook is a great platform for, you know, they track everything about us. So they know people who are into travel, who also happen to be into quirky things and also happen to be into competition. And hey, they might like sports now and then, or maybe they're a baker. And it just, you know, all of these little things create this algorithm that you know, they are uniquely qualified to run very, very targeted ads. So you had a a video professionally produced. So there was an nope, expense there. Produced. Nope. I tried first myself <laughs> on um, an app that I, um, I'm on podcast forums like the rest of us. The podcast movement page on Facebook has been an invaluable tool for me. And there was a thread once about how do you make a little audiogram video? And someone was talking about this app called Headliner. And so ah, okay. tried Headliner having, you know, no background whatsoever in making a video um, and successfully made a, a little video that, you know, I looked at it and I was like, okay. And I showed it to Ted and he was like, no, <laughs> let, let me give it a shot. So with his background, um, with web design, even having never made a video before, just, you know, using a regular program on his Mac laptop, he made us a, a pretty cool video. I really like it. It's just, you know, maybe 10 pictures montaged together with he and I doing audio behind it that kind of pulls it all together and some keywords over the top. So if someone's, you know, not listening with audio, they can still get the point of it. And then with, you know, a main takeaway to point them to our website. That is amazing. I, I love that. And so just so people know, so a lot of podcasters, I've heard them complain that podcast advertising doesn't work. And a lot of times what they're doing is they're boosting a post. So maybe they're posting an episode on Facebook and then they boost that post. But my guess is you actually went through Facebook's um ads manager and actually created an ad that way. So it wasn't just a boosted post, but it was actually a crafted ad. Exactly. Um, create a campaign. Exactly. You like really target it. And, you know, it wasn't for waking up with this knowledge. It was from trying and failing. I helped a friend launch a podcast years ago, um, just mainly because it was something she really wanted to do. And I really wanted to learn how. Um, and so with her, you know, when she was trying to figure out, well, how do I advertise? We were like, whoa, yeah, let's boost this post. And we put no parameters on it whatsoever. So I don't even, I mean, truthfully, I don't know how it all works on the back end, but they could have been bots. They could have been people paid a penny per sure. click, but all of a sudden, like her posts would get, you know, like 400 likes within an hour, but none of it would translate to listens or actual people who would be coming back to look at her website. So um, from the get-go of, of Rochambeau, I came in with a belief that boosted posts don't really work very well. You have to really yeah, target. I agree. They're, they're just, it's so limited in terms of how, who you can target. And I think the first instinct is um, for podcasters when they're doing that is to just, you know, tell as many people as possible about my podcast 
Um, but then you you learned, and I think this is the truth, is that not everybody is going to love your podcast, even if it's professionally produced and it's an awesome podcast. Not everything is for everybody. So you do have to do that really laser targeted focus, which um, you can do with Facebook ads. And so they can be effective. So I'm glad that you talked about that because too many times um, we talk to podcasters that have sort of not had a great experience with Facebook ads, but I think it, it's probably just a tweaking of the approach that that is needed. We've been talking a lot um, at Podbean. Uh, we launched recently this thing called Pod Ads, which you may have, have heard about. And if you're a Podbean user, you've probably gotten emails from us. We recently did a, a blog post about pod ads, but uh, we're, we're really trying to encourage podcasters uh, to advertise on podcasts because you can reach an audience that, that's interested in, in content like you're creating and also reach people that are already comfortable and know how to listen to podcasts. So there's sort of a, a very warm lead, if you will, in that scenario. So it, it's interesting. There's so many ways and so many things you can do. Um, and sometimes you don't have time to do it all. But if you can find something that really works and you can put some some time and money behind it, you'll probably find some success there. I think there. so too. And there are so many things to try. And none of us are professional marketers. I think we've already established it's probably most people's least favorite part of the game. But for, for Ted and I, we just made a list of like, honestly, like 50 different things we've heard might work. And once a week, we try one of them and then we move on. And then at least we tried it. We don't, we don't really know it's going to work yeah. great yet. We're just giving it all a go. As long as we keep doing something each week, we feel like at least we're doing our due diligence. I think that's a great approach. Um, okay. So I wanted to ask you, so we have our, a lot of people in our audience are new beginner podcasters. So I always like to ask my guests that if you can give a new podcaster one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh gosh, probably just start because starting is the hardest part and you can get so caught up with the nuances of, do I have the right microphone? What's my setup going to look like? Just, just start. And if you have to scrap it and start over, that's totally cool, but nothing's going to happen unless you start. That's, I mean, that's great advice. That's, that's great advice. And I think you're right. We've, I've definitely run into some potential podcasters that, never launched, you know, after being like really seemingly serious about it, you know, I'll see them in conferences and, and I'll see them in the groups. And what happens is they never really, um, they never get off the ground because they just want it to be so perfect in the beginning. And it is one of those things that you learn through doing more than reading and getting advice. Podcasting so. is this amazing platform that that technically really costs us next to nothing to jump into the game. So you can lose next to nothing if you decide that, you know what, that wasn't the right idea. I'm going back to the drawing board. But you know what, when you go back to the drawing board, it's going to be so much easier than it was the first time because obviously you've got already these lessons learned. And so one of my favorite expressions about myself is that I have a lot of quit in me, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's a good thing to know when to quit. Just be willing to start over. Excellent. I love that so much. 
All right. So I, I warned you in our pre-chat that I have some bonus questions. Uh, they weren't on the list of potential topics and questions that I sent you prior to our conversation. So I'm going to put, okay, good. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit, but I think I can already tell that you're going to handle this like a champ. Okay, Kim, if there was a podcast about your life up to this point, your life, what would it be called? Oh, oh, that's good. See, these are the type of questions that I would dwell over and over again. If I was writing an email, I would type it out and erase it 500 times. Because that's course. good stuff. That's my life. Um, how about travel and ping pong? <laughs> travel and ping pong uh, sounds like a good title to me. I would definitely check that podcast out. Um, I thought you were going to say she had a lot of quit in her because I thought that would be a good title for your podcast too. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm copywriting that one right now. <laughs> I think you should. <laughs> Very smart move. All right. So here's the second one. If you could choose anyone alive or dead to have a podcast, who would it be? Who is your fantasy podcast? What do you mean to have a podcast? To host a podcast, like anybody living or dead that you'd like to hear what they had to say on a podcast. Oh, uh, this, mm. this, I don't know. This might not be what you're looking for, but it would probably be my great grandmother because I didn't get to know her very well. And every time I hear stories about her, she is so freaking fascinating to me that I would have loved to have had a chance to record her voice and have I feel like she would have done such a good job telling stories. Oh, I love that answer. And I bet you are right. Don't you love it when you have elderly relatives that just, you would never guess that they've, you know, because it's hard to picture them in their youth. And so you never adma imagine their adventures and, and tribulations when they were younger. And then you find out these, you know, really compelling stories about them. And you're like, wow, like, I just want to talk to you forever now. I think that's a great answer. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you you went with that. I love it. Well, Kim, I love this conversation. I am particularly thrilled that you came on because through this connection for the podcast, I discovered yet another great podcast to listen to. I'd love to have you come back on someday because I have a feeling your podcasting career is going to be very long and very rich and very bright. So I hope you'll come back on someday. Very sweet, Jennifer. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Oh, thanks for joining me. We'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us for Podcasting Smarter. You can check our show notes at podcast.podbean.com for links and details. Please like our podcast, leave your comments, and help us spread the word to other podcasters so we can bring you more great episodes with podcasting tips and inspiration from fellow podcasters. If you want to connect with other podcasters or get interviewed on this podcast, please join our Podcasting Smarter Facebook group. We look forward to welcoming you to the community. Happy podcasting! <laughs>